there's been times in your life where where things are on such like high energy power charge like you, you know when like everything's like zzz, you feel like your whole life is buzzing and you just say yes and you just have faith because it's all gonna work out however it's gonna happen it's all gonna work out and even in the bad times I think that's true You're listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algott, and my co-host AJ Meyer will be joining us in just a few minutes via pre-recorded magic. Coming up in episode 204, I have the chance to sit down with actress, producer, and crowdfunding guru Leah Savoli. We talk about her unconventional journey to Los Angeles and to acting. How she went from touring with the band Poison to a recurring role on the HBO show Deadwood, and how she can trace all of that back to one core philosophy, and that is, spoiler alert, just doing your best for people. Sound familiar? That and so much more is coming up in episode 204. Stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2GoGo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2GoGo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO, the number two, GoGo.com start. So hello everyone, it's episode 204, this is Trev flying solo, I'm sitting here in my room with pillows and towels and my stuffed Yoda doll don't tell anybody I have a stuffed Yoda doll, but I do. They're all sitting around me, and uh, it's how I create my studio and deaden the sound. You should see this setup. It's super ghetto, but hey, man, it sounds good. So, um, yeah, AJ and I uh, did not sync up this week schedule-wise, but it's for good reason. The dude is killing it in his last few weeks in New York. Uh, He has uh, a little bit of an update to share that I'm going to play for y'all in just a moment, but before we get to that... I want to just quickly mention uh, that our, our friends over at Inner Image Media, uh, also the guys who run the company Rapid Reels, which is like the best demo creation scene reel company ever. Uh, Miguel, Michael, Mac, they're all amazing people. If you haven't done anything with them or check them out online, I highly recommend just taking a look at, at their work. It's high quality stuff. But they've got this show called Real Talk that they put together. And on Monday, September 14th, just a few weeks from now, Inner Image, which is their production company, in collaboration with Rapid Reels, which is an arm of their production company, is hosting a launch party for their brand new series, Real Talk. This is an online YouTube series, and it's awesome. It's an entertaining and informative sit-down Q&A that focuses on the career ins and outs and personal ups and downs of aspiring and established talent from every corner of the entertainment industry. 
Does it sound kind of familiar? <laughs> it probably should, because it was inspired uh, in part by this little podcast thing here. We actually, you may remember, we had Mike Miguel and Michael, two guys. Uh, we had both of them on the show separately. Oh man, back in like around episode 90, I think. This was all pre-episode 100, pre-Trevor destroying his wrist in a bicycle accident. But both of those guys were on the show uh, and had some really, really great insights and nuggets to share. So Real Talk is a video sort of spin-off of this whole idea of just hearing about people's journeys and experiences and stories and gleaning all the useful nuggets we can from that and applying them to our own journeys to hopefully make it more enjoyable, faster, more efficient, better, all that fun stuff. Anyway, uh, yeah, the series launches on September 15th. That's a Tuesday. But on Monday, the September 14th, uh, there's going to be a launch party at 7 p.m. And it's being held at the majestic nightclub General Lee's. That's located in the heart of Chinatown in downtown Los Angeles. And there's going to be a special guest appearance by actress Jessica Clark of True Blood fame, uh, a live performance by breakout hip-hop artist Cognito, and the whole event's going to be sponsored by both us and the LA Actors Tweet Up. The official series launches on Tuesday, September 15th. I'm actually in the first season. I'm super flattered to say that I'm one of the six guests they interviewed for, for season one. So they that whole shebang launches on the 15th, and again, uh, the, the launch party is at 7 p.m. on the 14th, the night before. If you'd like to find out more, go to realtalkonline.com or check out the uh, Facebook RSVP event. I made a, um, a short link for that. It is bit.ly slash realtalklaunchparty. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash Real Talk Launch Party. All one word, and real is spelled R-E-E-L. So bit.ly slash Real Talk Launch Party to RSVP for that. Uh, and if you RSVP, you will get raffle tickets to win prizes, which includes a free scene from Rapid Reels. Pretty awesome. If you don't need scenes on your, uh, on your reel, um, this is still a great value because you get a chance to work with some really, really great uh, guys who are very talented. And you know what You know what I like about these guys? And they're not paying me to say this or anything. This is all Trevor natural, natural stuff. They have vision. And vision is something that you can't teach. There are a lot of people who are technically really good. There are a lot of people who know story beats and who know how to shape a scene and elicit emotion and things like that. There are a lot of people who know the technical technical stuff, but very few people have vision. They bring a little extra something that you can't quite define to the work, and it gives it this added, uh, I guess, like, oomph quality. That's the best way I can think to describe it. And Miguel and the Rapid Reels guys, they, they just have that. They get what it is to tell a story and to shape it in such a way that it that it has impact with people. It has emotional impact. I don't know if anybody listening to this has ever watched something and thought, well, you know, it was really good, but I just didn't feel it. Like it, I, it hit me in my head, but it didn't hit me in my heart. But Miguel and uh, Michael and Mac and all the guys over at uh, Rapid Reels and Inner Image, they have vision, man. So even if you don't need a scene on your reel, uh, I invite you to RSVP for this and just get, give yourself a shot at working with them because they do fantastic work. And like I said, they have vision, man. And that is something that we can all learn a lot from. So I'll be there on the 14th. Hopefully AJ and Jasmine will be in town. Uh, I know the rest of the team, Jen and Gadali and all them, they're, they're most likely all going to be there. So we hope to see a lot of you guys there too. So make sure you RSVP for that. And we look forward to seeing you then. So on to AJ's update. Uh, this is really pretty cool stuff. AJ, take it away, man. 
Hey guys, so I literally just decided to re-record my section because of some news that I just got, which I will uh, talk about in a moment. First piece of news, though, is I did not end up booking uh, the Bonnie and Clyde musical in Texas, but I did book the room, made a lot of fans, um, and, you know, who knows? Maybe in the future they'll have another thing that's right for me, I'll get called in. I What that also means is that I will be making my way into uh, LA or at least starting the class at UCLA on time. Um, I thought I was going to have to hand over the reins entirely to Ben for the first couple of weeks, but uh, it looks like I'll be there for the for the start unless, uh, of course, I book something else. Uh, speaking of Ben and UCLA, we just started working on our syllabus and, well, we're almost complete. Uh, we're about 99% complete with our syllabus. I have a couple of things, logistical things to add to it. And the reason I wanted to bring that up is because Ben said something that just absolutely got me really excited to to teach the course, which is, he said the phrase, we are teaching the class, I think we even included this in the syllabus, we are teaching the class that we always wish we could have taken, or we always wish we would have taken in college. Um, we're, we're, we're teaching that class. And, and that makes me really excited to, to be bringing the knowledge of uh, the Digital Actor Workshop, Ben's, you know, social media marketing for actors, and all the knowledge from all the past guests on the podcast to bear uh, in this one course makes me really excited. Now, on to the big piece of news. I didn't talk about this last week because this all happened in the last couple days between the two uh, recordings, which is that I got an audition for The Blacklist, which if you've been uh, paying attention to the podcast lately, you'll remember that you'll remember that I had a, a an audition for this, sh- this show before, and actually it was this audition that I got that awesome feedback from one of my friends uh, who directed me in some plays before <clears throat> and who uh, was able to see my my tape and give me a bunch of really awesome notes that I then took and posted on the membership site. Well, I went back and I looked at those notes and I poured over them and I really thought about them and internalized them and applied them to the, the new scene, the new audition that I had, the new meeting, I should say, that I had. And the reason I'm re-recording is because I got a callback and it's tomorrow and I'm really excited about it. Um, the, the shoot dates are potentially the exact time that Jasmine and I were going to be driving across the country, so we're just going to have to figure out how to make that work if, if and when I book this. But um, anyway, just really exciting that, that, that taking this, this information and applying it to my audition actually worked. It actually worked, and um, I did something right. And so my callback is with the director of the episode and the casting directors, and I'm just really excited because, once again, this is another instance of, well, if it's not this one, it'll be another one. And uh, I'm actually going to be talking about the blacklist later on, so stay tuned. So obviously, huge congratulations to you, Ben. Um, bummed to hear that uh, the Bonnie and Clyde thing didn't work out, but uh, so great to hear that you feel you booked the room. That's what we're all about on this podcast and this community, booking the room, building those relationships that will bear fruit over the long haul. And you do that by being a good person. And Leah has a lot to say about that over the next uh, few episodes in her interview series. Uh, I think it's so cool too that, y- that you get to, you and Ben, AJ, 
that you get to teach the class that you always wish you could have taken. I know when I was in school, I really wished that somebody had taught me something about like what to do from a business standpoint once I graduated from school. I felt very artistically equipped. I felt like I knew how to be uh, on stage and how to approach a role. And I, I knew what my process was. And of course, that's that's the work, right? That's what we all want. But but I didn't know where to start. I didn't know how to actually get the work. So uh, I think that what you guys are doing is going to, mark my words, I'm going to say this on, on the air, is going to um, blow up and it's going to be offered as a course all over the place in very short order. So congratulations on that. Uh, and then lastly, congrats on the Blacklist meeting. That's huge, man. I haven't seen that show. I'm going to add it to the ever-growing list of series that I need to watch and catch up on. But uh, I'm so stoked to hear that. And I love, love, love that you got called back in by that office that gave you all those great notes that you posted in the membership group. And the fact that you went back and reviewed them to glean everything you could sort of second uh, in a secondary way that made absolutely no sense whatsoever. But that you reviewed them again to sort of soak it up again and then went back in and gave them what they uh, typically look for in their actors. Uh, Brilliant, man. Brilliant. And a quick word from another one of our sponsors, Rehearsal 2. It's the app for actors. You guys have heard about it before. If you haven't downloaded it yet, you are seriously depriving yourself of an essential acting tool. If you want to learn your lines, if you want to be off book for your auditions, if you want to explore your character and make stronger choices, there's an app for that, and it's called Rehearsal 2. You can download it and learn more about it, and also download it right now at rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. That's rehearsaltheapp.com slash download. No huge updates from me. I'm going to talk a little bit about more what's going on with me when we get AJ back on the show live. So without further ado, we're going to jump into part one of my chat with Leah. This first part of the chat focuses on her journey, which is kind of unconventional. She didn't know she really was interested in acting at all when she came out to LA. So you're going to hear about that. You're going to hear about this philosophy that kind of guides her uh, to this day through her her journey in the entertainment industry. And then in parts two and three, we get into crowdfunding goodness. Oh my God, there's so much good stuff coming your way with the crowdfunding tips, as well as um, body image stuff, which is something that we've never talked about on the show. Body image stuff, both from a, a female perspective and a male perspective. So it's it's interesting stuff. Can't wait to share it all with you guys, but you know, we can only do one of these a week. So enjoy part one with Leah, guys, and I'll catch you on the other side. Hey everybody, this is Trev. Welcome to the interview portion of the podcast. Uh, very stoked to be sitting here with Leah Savoli, a Philly girl. Did I say that right? Savoli? Yeah. A Philly girl, a crowdfunding campaign guru. You, you've, you've run a lot of successful crowdfunding campaigns. Um, you've also done a lot of work in the industry and outside of the industry in terms uh, of body image. I think in helping women sort of reconcile that whole world and kind of navigate that world. Uh, and you're also an actress and producer, so there's a lot of 
exciting things that I know you're going to be able to bring to the table today. So, so excited to have you here. Thanks for taking the time. Wow, I'm excited to be here, Trevor. I mean, two Philly people, actually three in the room, if you count your brother. Three yeah. Philly people in one room is, is I kind know. of awesome. It hasn't happened since Philly. Like ever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Why don't we do this more often? I know, seriously. <laughs> get some steaks, get some yingling. <laughs> Soft pretzels, cream cheese, sure. Betsy Ross. So why the hell are you here? Wow. Why did you choose Los Angeles? What are you doing here, Leah? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of one of those classic stories. Um, I graduated from college with degrees in psychology and elementary education because I was the oldest of five and the smart one, and that's the path I was supposed to be on. And uh, graduated from college, went into mas- the master's program, did about three semesters uh, towards my master's split up with the long-term relationship I was in, and then I found out uh, that the my favorite rock band in the whole world, Poison, was doing a reunion tour in 1999, and I ended up becoming friends with Poison and was invited to tour with them for two months. What? How did that work? How did you become friends with Poison? I bought myself a plane ticket. I found out that Brett Michaels was doing a solo show at the Roxy. It was the first time I was ever on an airplane. It was September 25th, 1998. And I, <laughs> I know I remember the date. I know it's part of my book that I'm writing. Oh, cool. um, so all of these things are up in the air. But yeah, I came out to the show and and introduced myself. I, I've always had this knack for meeting the people that I want to meet or, or and I and I met them not in a way of like, oh, I'm a fan. Yes, oh, I'm a fan. But also, can I help? What can I do? Mm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, kept in touch with them over the year. And then in 99, when they did this big reunion tour, I, I got an email saying, hey, you coming out? And um, it was more like an internship. I was on the road with them for two months. It was Poison, Rat, Great White, and LA Guns. And so hotels and meals were covered. And sometimes I was riding with this group. And sometimes I was on this bus. But I spent two months traveling the United States. Um, assisting with the fan club. I think Brett Michaels was one of the first rock stars out there to do a fan club thing. And so my job was kind of to make sure that if we were in your city and you were a part of the fan club, that you knew what time the meet and greet was happening, where it was happening. I I have like amazing stories of like people still to this day, I'll get random emails from people saying, you helped me meet Cece DeVille 15 years ago and I love you. And like people like there was one night people tracked me down at a gas station to like give me like a necklace they had made for me to thank me for helping them meet their favorite rock stars. And so that was an amazing summer and I went back home after that summer and nothing quite looked the same anymore you know mm-hmm. and um, classic story then I, I got in a fight with my mom and I said that's it I'm leaving I'm going to Hollywood and uh, <laughs> I started packing and my dad came home that day and said please just let me get your get you new tires and change your oil and let's make sure your car is okay before you just take off and go to Hollywood and so I said okay dad and uh, he got me tires and all that and three days later I I hit the road Um, I had about $400 in my pocket I knew no one outside of Poison, but I figured, hey, I know Poison. I'll get a job at like Capitol Records or something. I had no job lined up. I had no apartment lined up. And I had met one girlfriend when I had been out there. And so she's like, come, you know. So, I yeah, I drove cross country by myself. And 16 years later, I'm still here. You're still here. (laughs) Yeah. So so did you... 
was the acting thing in your in your bones at that point, or was this more of like a, I want to go out there and just be in the industry and produce and connect people and, and that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, because um, it sounds like this whole thing with Poison was great training for what you've been doing recently for just entertainment in general. Yeah. Um, you know, as a young girl, I always was a performer. I you know I took dance classes, tap, ballet, jazz. I took modeling classes. I was in plays. I was always in the choir. I was a cheerleader. I was all of those things. Um, but by the time I hit high school. To answer your question in the long route, no. When I came out to Hollywood, I at least not consciously did I think I was coming out to act. And so what happened when I first moved to town, since I had just had that experience with all those bands, I met a gal and I started booking clubs. And so for my first four or five years in Hollywood, I was booking bands at all of the top Los Angeles clubs, the Key Club, the Roxy, the Gig, the Garage, wow. Dragonfly. Wow. I did a four-year Battle of the Bands thing at the Dragonfly every Monday for four years. I did this big, I called it Leader of the Pack after my one of my favorite 60s songs. And I would have celebrity judges come down and I started meeting like A&R people and producers. So I was very much entrenched in the indie music scene and then had these quote-unquote rock stars to bring down for special events and, and things of that sort, which is then what led me to get up on stage and start hosting and start introducing uh-huh. all the bands. And then a couple years into it, I realized, you should put a hosting demo together. Like, what are you doing? You're hosting. And so my 29th birthday happened, and I had been booking bands at the Cat Club on Sunset Strip. I was like the regular booker. And so for my birthday that year, I put together this huge birthday party for myself, and I convinced a few of my musician friends to let me sing some songs with them. I'm not a singer. I'm a backup singer, maybe. I'm a cho- I'm a choir member. Um, but I convinced some friends to rehearse with me and let me sing some songs. It was my birthday party after all. And I remember going home that night alone and completely sober since I was running the whole show. And I had a realization. I said, "What are you, what are you doing? You're 3,000 miles away from your friends and family and you're promoting other people's careers and booking bands and you're not really making any money, why aren't you acting? Like that voice came up of like, you're in LA, why aren't you acting? And so in that moment, Mm. it was one of those moments where things just start to fall away. So like one of the clubs closed down, one of the clubs fired me, and then I got this phone call from Beverly Hills Health and Fitness Club. Apparently I had put an application in a year prior to be a front desk receptionist. You don't even remember? I slightly sort remember, of. like it had been like a year. They were. Uh-huh. I got a call going, are you still looking for a part-time job? And I said, yes. And they said, okay, well the new girl works the 6 a.m. shift. So my entire life switched from being out booking bands and promoting clubs till three, four in the morning to having to be at the gym at 6 6 a.m. and being around that energy and that environment. And from there, I got myself into acting classes and then boom, it just, trajectory. Um, My first big gig was, was Deadwood. I was on Deadwood for three seasons and it was an amazing experience. So how long into your, your sort of stay in L.A.? was this that, realization that was about four years so four years yeah. in you you had this flip switch yeah. or switch flip that's yeah. what i'd say and you <laughs> yeah. were just like wow okay i need to like take this in a different direction yeah, yeah. wow and then and then right after right out of the the, the gates you booked deadwood for yeah. three seasons well what was great about deadwood and it actually ties into the body image stuff is what they were looking for um it started off as non-union background and by the end of it i was speaking had my own trailer for a couple episodes i cried when i went to set that day and my clothes were hanging up but it started off as non-union background but it was an amazing cast and crew of people to work with david milch is as if you ever get a chance to meet him, talk to him, do. He's amazing. And the original posting said we were looking for natural-looking women um, with curves, 
no implants, uh, like no plastic surgery and natural colored hair, you know? And yeah, right now I have some reds and stuff in my hair, but at the time I didn't. And I was like, oh my God, that's me. And submit it. So you found this on like Actors Access or something? Yeah, I was actually, I think, um, I think it was just through, uh, what you call it? Who does the, uh, the extra work? Uh, Central Casting. Oh, really? It was on the Central Casting line that Deadwood was looking for women, you know, around size 10 with curves, no fake boobs. And I was like, oh my God, like, wow, you know? And so submit it. And, and what you soon learned was that if you were available, you were going to get used. So for the first season, I still held on to that part-time job at the gym. But with background, they call you at 7 o'clock at night. And if you're available, you're available. And so I quickly saw that they wanted a core group of girls. So for that second season, mm-hmm. I took a leap of faith and I quit all my part-time jobs and I was just open for Deadwood and it worked it worked out when they weren't using me as background they would call me in and use me as a stand-in and David Milch actually had a group of us that he put on an acting scholarship so it was kind of this unwritten law that when Deadwood was in session you were available and when Deadwood wasn't in session you were taking the acting classes that he was paying for wow it was that is amazing yeah. And then that was three seasons. Three and then seasons. eventually you kind of worked your way up from just the sort of mm-hmm. one of the many background mm-hmm. actors that were of your type yeah. into speaking roles and, yeah. and featured characters. Well, we were a core group. There was about five of us because we were in, there was there was hundreds of male actors, but as background actors. But as far as the females go, there was a very small group of us. And so I was one of the Gem Saloon girls, which if you've ever seen Deadwood, Al Swearingen, played by Ian McShane, is the main character. He has the Gem Saloon. So I was one of the regulars there. So if they need it, Basically, you know, there's a list, and I was somewhere in the top five. You know, if they needed one girl, they'd call. If they needed two, if they needed five. So I was somewhere in that top five rotation. And, I mean, even in seasons one and seasons two, I get people still to this day going, oh, my God, I just saw you. And there was one there was one episode I remember in season two where my little sister called me. And so at the time, she's a teenager. And she calls, and she's like, Lee, why didn't you say anything? That was really weird. You just, like, nodded and walked away. <laughs> I was like, well, Sarah, you can't. Like, they have to tell you. Like, you can say something. But that's how, Why did you act like that? Right. Like The cameras were rolling. (laughs) Why why didn't you respond? Why didn't you, like, dance or something? (laughs) So, like, that's how featured these these parts were. And Mm. And I'm still good friends to this day with many of the principal actors. It was the most amazing set to work on. So I think I got spoiled right away as far as... I mean, there was no segregation. You could sit down next to the executive producers at lunch and chat with them if you wanted to. And that is so, so cool, man. Yeah, so then by third season, David wrote me in, as he did with a few, uh, not just the girls, but a few of the guys. Our bartender uh, had the same experience. He started off his background, and I think he ended up speaking in at least six episodes. And David Milch is just the kind of creator, writer, director that he notices hard work. And so I would come to set, and I'd be reading books about prostitution in the Old West, and he'd sit down next to you and say, oh, I read that book. Have you gotten to the part yet where... Wow. You know, and yeah. you're like, oh, yes, David. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so cool. cool. What's so cool about this story, and you know, this is kind of something that we've we've heard, you know, on the show many times before, but in different, you know, circumstances and contexts and things. But it's the same thing where it's like you show up for work, yep. and you take, you know, you have to start out on, you know, sort of at the bottom of the ladder a lot of the times. Yeah. But you work hard. You be professional. You know your type. You show up. You you be cool with people. You be generous and kind. And that pays off over time. It and, does. and you parlayed that into some pretty serious work. Yeah, it does. And and I can't say it always does, you know, because 
gosh, yeah, there's plenty of times where it doesn't. But in this instance, this was the kind of show and the kind of people that noticed, yeah. you know, when you were doing it. Um, and then and then right after that, because I, I, I was still non-union up until season three, and then I ended up actually getting a Taft-Hartley um, through the cartoon Robot Chicken while Deadwood was happening. Awesome. And I remember the, the day that it happened... Um, Robot Chicken had called and said, are you available tomorrow? They had a cancellation. This is this is it. This is your big shot. So this was my Taft-Hartley, my first time doing a cartoon voiceover gig, working with Seth Green, who's also from Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, yes, you know, and I think they wanted me to come in. I want to say like 10 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Now, maybe it was like 11. I'll say 11 a.m. And then a couple hours later, I get a call from Deadwood saying they need me in tomorrow for a matching scene that I was a part of, that they need me in. And I'm like, ah. and so I remember successful person problems. <laughs> right? I remember calling Bill Dance Casting, who was who was in charge of all the background, and I was like, okay, well, I just booked this show called Robot Chicken, and it's going to be my Taft Hartley, and it's this union project, and they want me in at eleven, and they're like, we'll see how early you can go in. So I call the Robot Chicken guys, and they're like, well, we don't really, uh, maybe we could do ten. Like we don't get in much earlier than that. We're a cartoon voiceover, you know? Like uh, we could roll out of bed for you if you know ten. So I'm like, okay. They said I can come in at 10 and Deadwood production said just tell her to get here when she can and wow. so I remember driving to Santa Monica's where Robot Chicken was that that first season drove to Santa Monica did everything it was just it was mind-blowing and then drove race down to Santa Clarita which is where Deadwood was yeah. and the first person I saw uh, when I parked my car and got out was Timothy Elephant you know I'd worked with Tim for three seasons now and he actually was also a member of that gym that I was the receptionist no at yeah <laughs> so I remember the one day him coming in going hey me and my wife were watching and you looked great in that episode last night and I was like oh my god so he's the first person I see and I remember you know he's walking a set with one of the ADs and I just race across I think I give him like this big bear hug I was like I just got my side card and it was it was it was just so amazing the love on both of those mm. shows so I really had a great experience to what do you attribute all this stuff happening like what is the one key choice that you made that sort of kicked off this work Hmm. was it signing up with central casting was it shooting with a specific person or or can you even wow put it back Um, to one thing i don't know that i can put it back to one thing other than and this is something that comes and goes in my life and i'm sure we're going to get into this and i'm sure it's like that for many people i think it's having faith I think it's that leap of faith where I said I gave up all my part-time jobs to just be available for a background role you know Mm. because I knew if I was available I'd get called in um it was having that leap of faith to say yes to robot chicken and yes to deadwood and knowing that it would somehow work out I feel like there's been times in your life where where things are on such like high energy power charge like you you know when like everything's like you feel like your whole life is buzzing and you just say yes and you just have faith because it's all gonna work out however it's gonna happen it's all gonna work out even in the bad times I think that's true um, so yeah, I can't say, oh, it was this acting class or this headshot photographer or this casting company. Cause I think it goes back to yourself and just having sure. complete and utter faith and confidence that you're on the right path. Awesome. And then of course, sometimes we waver from those paths, but. Ooh, there's a story there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a feeling that it was, it wasn't, I mean, it so rarely is like, oh, I got my headshots with this photographer and that launched everything. Usually it's more like. This relationship was the one relationship that over the course of five years led to 
the the seminal relationship that really sort of like got me into the right room or something well, absolutely like that. relationships relationships yeah. relationships relationships um you know the robot chicken thing actually occurred through the old friendster you remember oh my friendster? god it was before yeah, I MySpace. yeah one of the executive producers reached out to me just in a friendly manner before the show even existed he was from new york uh, matt senrich and was just looking to connect with other east coast people Wow. We had coffee when he arrived, and he said, how's it going? You've been in L.A. for a couple years now. What's it like? And I told him this Deadwood story, but I was like, I'm non-union. I'm working five days a week. I'm making minimum wage. I'm working so hard. And at the end of it, he said, well, me and my partner, Seth Green, we just created a show called Robot Chicken, and Cartoon Network just bought it, so maybe we can help you out. Wow. And now, of course, in L.A., everybody says, maybe we can help you out. So you take it with a grain of salt. But a month later, I got that email, and they were serious. There are some good people out there that mean what they say. Yeah, yeah. yeah and they're typically all from the East Coast, but... <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no comment. I don't so want to alienate anybody so here. So definitely but... relationships and, yeah, yeah. You know, and knowing you know, who you can trust. And then um, doing your best for those people. Hmm. You know, not letting those people down and not yeah. taking that for granted when you have that in your life. It, that's a realization I had last year. Two of my mentors, um, AC Lyles, who was the head of publicity at Paramount for, he's the longest employee ever at Paramount, who I met through the set of Deadwood. He was a producer on Deadwood. He was 95 when he passed away last year. And he would come to set on Deadwood every day and shake hands. And he told a story about how when he was a young boy in Florida, he met the head of Paramount and said, I'm going to work for you someday. And the guy was, oh, great, great kid. And so every Sunday for like his whole high school career, he would send a note uh, to the head of Paramount, just updating him on his life and whatnot. And when he graduated high school, he got on a bus and he knocked on Paramount's door. And they started wow. him off as like an usher. But he expressed the importance of thank you cards. And so after I met him, I sent a thank you card. And a couple of days later, I get this phone call going, hi, you have a call from Paramount Studios. AC Lyles is on the phone. I was like, what? And he was calling to thank me for sending him a thank you card. Um, and so he passed away a little over a year ago, as did um, Ivan Marcota, who was my first acting coach here in town, uh, who was also close to 80, 85 years old. And I had lost touch with both of them, I would say, in the past four or five years. And they both passed about a month apart from each other last year. And it hit me hard because I realized, wow, when I first moved to town and I started really pursuing what I wanted to pursue, I had these people behind me that really believed in me. And they were old school Hollywood people, very traditional and polite and about manners and about etiquette. And Somehow, over the course of the 10 years since then, I'd lost touch with a lot of those people and I think got caught up in the do-it-yourself, do-it-yourself, do-it-yourself thing. And so it was. A, I wrote a couple blogs about it for, for Ms. and the Biz and whatnot on the importance of mentors and how I can't believe I lost them. And funny enough, right around that time um, is when Sean Astin came into my life and he's now one of my strongest mentors and, and cheerleaders and we've worked on two projects together now and I'm so grateful to, to have him in my life. Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed part one of my chat with Leah. Uh, next week and the week after, 
goddamn, it's some good stuff. So very, very excited to be sharing that with you guys. So if you're not subscribed on iTunes or following us on SoundCloud or anything like that, what is wrong with you? Do it, do it now. Uh, let's see here. I'm just jumping to picks of the week here. Um, since we just heard a lot of me, let's pitch back to AJ here and uh, hear what his pick of the week is. So I almost got so excited talking about the blacklist earlier in my earlier segment that I almost jumped the gun and talked about the fact that it is my pick of the week this week. Because I wanted to do a bit more research before going in for this audition, um, I watched a couple of episodes and then I watched a couple of more and then a couple more and I've been binge watching the heck out of this show. I'm almost complete with the first season which is 22 episodes. They, they do a mid-season break so it's one of those uh, shows that has 22 episodes per season so 11 before the break, 11 after and it is so good. It's so well acted. James Spader is amazing in the lead role and it's got all these really great elements of all these other TV shows sort of mashed up into one. Um, it feels like watching like a really good, um, like Born movie, like the Born Identity or something. Um, kind of, kind of uh, difficult to describe in just a couple of minutes, but it is my pick of the week. I highly recommend it. It's a great show, great acting, great writing. Uh, so you guys should definitely check it out. Okay, okay, I will add Blacklist to the top of my list. Man, so much to watch. I'll go ahead and share my pick of the week now, which is a book, a 900-page book, uh, but worth every every word. Uh, a book that I read recently that I actually just finished last night. It's called I Know This Much Is True by a guy named Wally Lamb. This was one of those like Kindle deals on my Kindle where I could download it for like 99 cents and I just saw that it was an Oprah's book club pick and I downloaded it like months and months ago and just kind of forgot about it. And I was on my Kindle the other day just kind of clicking around and I thought, oh, that that book, I should check that out. And I'll say this, it took me a little while to get into it, but it is a phenomenal piece of work. It is, I really got sucked up and went for the ride. Just to kind of short summary of what it's about, it's about these twin brothers uh, who grow up together and have a very difficult childhood that you that you discover through flashbacks and stuff, and you learn about this guy's family, and it's told from the point of view of one of the twin brothers, and his his twin develops uh, like personality, like a, like a schizophrenic multiple personality, not multiple personality, but he's like a paranoid schizophrenic. He develops that and, uh, and it's a uh, heart wrenching and heartwarming. And if you want to run the, the gamut of emotions, this is a, a wonderful book to wrap up your summer with. So it's called again, I know this much is true. And it's by a guy named Wally Lamb. And it is a, a hefty read, but uh, I really, really enjoyed it. So there you go, the blacklist, and I know this much is true. So, so you can't say that you uh, have nothing to consume over the next couple weeks uh, as the summer winds down. So that about does it then for episode 204. Short and sweet this week, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by me, Trevor Algott, and AJ Meyer. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Gubrek is our marketing and web director. Jasmine Bristow is our director of public relations, and Deborah Smith is our community manager. Trevor Algott, that's me. This always feels weird talking about myself in the third person, but, you know, it's it's in the credits. You got to do it. So Trevor Algott uh, edited and mixed today's episode and composed the theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. And you can also find us on iTunes. And your reviews there are hugely appreciated. Honest reviews. We would love them. If you love the show, 
please go to iTunes and leave us a review. If you don't like the show, you're welcome to leave us a review, uh, but you're also welcome to email us and let us know what you don't like. Give us an opportunity to respond and fix that and then go back and then give us a review once we've done that. You know. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal 2 and VO2GoGo.com, and thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and you want to maximize its value in your life and career, sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, got a couple of those in the works right now, discounts on merchandise, and more. You can just visit InsideActing.net and click on the membership tab. And that's it for episode 204 of Inside Acting. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, RSVP for the Real Talk Launch Party. That's bit.ly slash Real Talk Launch Party. Hold up. 